This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to The Godless Revolution. Today is May 26th. This is episode 334. I'm Dan Ellis, joined by Remote Connection by a fabulous co-host, Mr. Taylor Grin. Hello, and I apologize for all the wind in the background. It is spring in Kansas. <laughs> and in studio with me, because he delivered a fantastic, fucking awesome, custom-made podcast table for this show, Mr. Ryan Duffy. I am the wood man. You delivered some hard wood. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I just kind of brought some wood here and we just erected this wood table it's all shellacked and ready to be oh, rubbed yeah. it should uh beer should not soak into it yes i <laughs> i like it quite a bit it's really fucking nice man i appreciate the shit out of you for for making this this is fucking I'm, awesome i've been wanting to do it for a while just yeah like said fuck it i'm making the table yeah it's very very cool no longer are the microphones clamped to the corners of the table they are actually embedded in the table and yes. they're nice little boom stand or boom arm dealios and we have the custom godless revolution logo burned right into it as it should be emblazoned into this fine piece of craftsmanship it's awesome and, and wire management yeah cable <laughs> management underneath the table that is really fucking cool this is just, this is awesome, man. I really, really dig it. Thank you yeah. so, so much. This You're is welcome. awesome. A whole lot. I mean, I figured really when we're envious. able to have people come into studio again, oh, yeah. they're just going to be like, oh, nice. You Ooh, guys you are guys falling. Are- <laughs> you yeah, guys I'm are like. At the end of that table from the webcam, like, oh, shit, I need to get Sandra and I in there again already. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah, maybe you guys should uh, move to Utah. Oh, I'm going to have to find either work in Utah or. <laughs> 100% remote work that there you go. Well. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be awesome. The, yeah, well, like is there is there a reason like do you like Oh, well you guys might be moving to Sweden though. Yeah, I mean we we oh man. <laughs> Salt in the wound. So, <laughs> you're welcome. The degree program I got into doesn't qualify for immigration and the degree that Sandra's in because of COVID was made digital, which means now it doesn't qualify for immigration. So we are literally now waiting until she gets into a PhD program or a job before we'll be able to move there. Mm. So that is on hiatus for at least a year. Mm. And in the meantime, it's just seeing what happens. So, yeah. yeah. Well, then you should just move to Utah. Yeah. That's all I got to say. <laughs> There's, there's, there's places here to be, to be lived in. If you can find uh, them. Not for the cheap rent that I've got. Yeah. Now, man. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Housing here is a little bit Fucking nuts right ridiculous. now. Ridiculous. Yeah. We're, we're doing like 700 a month in rent right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, that's nice. 
Yeah, it's a shithole, yeah. but it's nice. You might find a dumpster here for that. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. Could rent a room at my mom's house for that much, maybe. It's like that uh, fucking the first episode of Futurama when they get the apartment and it's just a little closet. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So what has been going on with you guys for the last week? Let's start with you since you're here in studio, Mr. Duffy. Um, Absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah? Like, kind of took this last week easy. Yeah. Well, Sarah had off last week. So we, we did some yard stuff, but other than that, it was like. Yeah. Let's let's take an easy week. This was done. I didn't have any projects. I needed to get it on the bench and no garage. And I was going to clean the garage. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And how about you, Mister Grin? Aside from the oh, big yawn. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just a whole lot of stuff that I can't really talk about yet. Um, uh, but just kind of I don't know figuring out my next steps and uh, trying to do shit in pursuit of that. I love how like vague booking that was but no nothing nothing much nothing i can really talk about super boring answer yeah um yeah really excited uh now that my younger brother has graduated from school he's talking about running a uh, D game which i'm excited for because i'm always the dm never the player so that'll be nice excited for that <laughs> awesome yeah i i've only played D D once i think and it was a long long time ago I just didn't have friends who were playing it. I, I understand it's very cool. People have lots of fun doing it. My stepdad has a game with a bunch of friends here locally that, like, they go all out. Like, he, one of his friends uh, does all kinds of crafts and, like, makes maps and figures and all kinds of cool shit. And I don't you know see, how. I want to do that, but yeah. I have two left hands. So, <laughs> like, I've been, like, Sandra will tell you, I've been agonizing over the fact that I'm using, like, basically blue uh blueprint sheets right now for my maps and oh. like they look good but it's impossible for me to like keep the segments of the map the players have already or haven't already been to like hidden in such a way that doesn't make it super ob- super obvious it's like oh that's a closet or like that's a very large room you know like uh, well i i know my, a guy here in utah that uh likes building stuff with wood oh that's this is true just saying this if you ever true. came he could help you design Okay. D boards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, we could we could do that thing like every other podcast and do our D and D spinoff show, <laughs> <laughs> where where you teach me how to D and D. Oh, dude, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd play. I'd run that game. Teach me how to Dougie or D and D. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't been doing anything very exciting either. Just uh, I did get out to play golf yesterday, which was nice. I'm not playing nearly as well as I have in years prior because I don't know. It's been a long time since, well, because I'm out of practice, really. Like I just don't get to play nearly as often. And so I kind of suck. (laughs) Like I, I did win a little bit last week and a little bit this week, but I just, it doesn't feel good, but I love my new clubs. When I hit them well, they're fucking amazing. Yeah, it's great. They're fantastic. I was supposed to play the second round of my match play tournament on Sunday, but that got rained out, and that will be happening next Tuesday. The only other thing that I've really had going on is that Tracy's youngest brother will be getting married on Saturday, and I am the efficient for that, so... 
Woo! That'll be fun. Yeah. Just don't use the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they finally got their <laughs> what their vows and and everything to me yesterday or the day before for the, and they're getting married on Saturday, so I need to I need to spend the next few days going over that, trying to commit as much of it to memory as possible so I'm not just reading from uh, notes when that happens and you know tr- then Tracy's oldest brother and his wife are in town from Germany for the wedding. So we'll be hanging out with them for the next few days. So uh, I didn't do much over the last week other than work and, you know, golf a little bit and the rest of the week. And next week I have off from work, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Just the a thought of week. Yeah, dude. A week and a half. Oh, of, my God. Of me not having to, to go to work. Like, and. I'm hoping that they don't contact me for anything. And I, and I also hope that I can resist the temptation to like log on and at least check my email to try to keep up on stuff. Nope. Like, don't do it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to try very hard to just not do that at all. And yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to love it so much. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, You're going to get to day two and be like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> yeah, there's so much shit around the house that I need to get caught, caught up on. Uh, just like the garage is a fucking mess. My shed's a mess. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a ton of stuff that I need to do around the house. And I also need to schedule a bunch of other repairs and shit around the house. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we refinanced and we've got a bunch of money just sitting in the bank waiting for us to use it for home improvement stuff. We got the water softener and tankless water heater installed. And that's awesome. And we've got somebody coming out to repair both of the chimneys on the house and make them look super cool. Gonna, gonna supercharge them and upgrade them. That's gonna be awesome. I'm really excited for that to happen. We want to get a whole new roof put on the house and then we want to get fencing all around the house, replace the old 1970s chain link with some vinyl. And hopefully that will make the dogs less apt to bark at other dogs and neighbors. Um, <laughs> and have their dogs bark at our dogs and have that whole deal going on. That's just kind of a nightmare. Uh, yeah, just lots of other stuff, but I like, and I need to call in around to get bids and shit for that. So just a lot of working with other people to get shit done around the house and, you know, working hard to make me pay for them to do things. <laughs> so that will be fun yeah. tonight. We will be talking about Christian nationalism. This is the first of several episodes that we will be using to cover this topic. And it's kind of a wide overarching thing talking about Christian nationalism and a bunch of the, I don't know, what would you call it? Minor points or subplots within that under that big umbrella. Yeah, because it is it is a pretty big umbrella and it's got. A lot of different elements to it. Several factions, like like people who interpret Christian nationalism differently and at different levels of extremism. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Uh, so why don't we just cut off this segment here? And when we get back on the other side, we'll talk about all that kind of shit. Okay. Do you, do you mind oh. um, no. if I if I kind of fuck up that transition just a tiny bit sure. and, and you, take like one minute? You can fuck um, it. So something occurs to me um, a couple weeks back, we were doing a show and I talked about how like it was strange to me that like if you'll call it classical era 
fascism um, had like goals in mind. Like there were things that they wanted to do with their countries once they had enacted like whatever purges and shit that they had, as opposed to like contemporary fascism, how like none of the movements seemed to have any sort of like goal in mind. They were all very like, um, it's uh, all just grievance reactionary. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went through and I did everything I could to like, look at, like documentation of political platforms of the proto-fascist or neo-fascist groups in places like Hungary, Poland, Turkey, you know, Republicans um, in the U.S., like that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Brazil, Balnasaro's uh, party in Brazil. Um, and they're all the same. They're all the same reactionary bullshit. They don't really <laughs> talk about any sort of like development goals or like, hey, we want to increase funding for like architecture or some shit because like the Nazis love them some architecture. Like these guys don't give a shit about um, fucking like infrastructure programs or anything. It's all like ban abortion, get women out of jobs and and back into the home and like purge the judiciary and the journalism class like. So if there's anyone who's like Taylor's oddly like back in the good old days of Nazis, like no (laughs) one, like they were shit too. And also B um, all of the neo-fascist groups that we have appear to be just reactionary and shitty, like for reactionary's sake. Um, And I've now gone and done the research on that. So it's kind of wild. They just want to own the libs. Yeah, that seems that seems to be their only goal. Like they have they have no end goal in mind. It's just I can't be as big an asshole as I want anymore, and this sucks. And so mm-hmm. I'm mad at the world because of that. Yeah, yeah. That it, anyway, I just wanted to follow that on because it was one of those thoughts I left kind of incomplete when we were talking about it a couple of weeks back. And yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, well, let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll talk about Christian nationalism. Hello, I'm Lloyd Evans. I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. I'm the author of The Reluctant Apostate and senior editor of JWSurvey.org. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. So if you were raised in America on a healthy diet of American exceptionalism in our education system, you have probably heard of the story of the Mayflower and Plymouth Rock. Uh, Most of us were raised to believe that the first people to colonize America were the pilgrims in 1620. The lovely story there was about no one there before. No, well, no flag, no country. <laughs> no flag, no no other country. No one had ever been there before. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lovely story about how they left Europe in search of religious freedom, and upon arriving in America, they made first contact with the natives and became great friends. <laughs> I mean, we do have Thanksgiving. Oh, that's, that's, of course. That's what the whole story is about. We we're giving friends. thanks to them for being such wonderful hosts. Yeah. Uh, well, it is true that they. They did leave in search of religious freedom. It's not the whole truth. Mm. And it also wasn't their first their first attempt to find religious freedom wasn't in America. And also they weren't the first ones to arrive in uh. America. I know. It's kind of fucked up. The story that we learned in elementary school, the whole thing is fucking bullshit. <laughs> what? I know, but we keep teaching it. That's, that's revisionist history. No critical race theory here, right? Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, it sounds like <laughs> we need some critical race theory or training this, here. Would this be critical European theory? 
Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But uh, Europeans have been traveling to the Americas, or as they like to call it, the New World, since the early 1400s. Or earlier than that, if you count the Vikings. If you count the Vikings, yeah, that's that is true. <laughs> but the uh, the Basques, the English, and the French had been uh, a thriving fishing industry off the coast of Maine and New England, and the first documented European to make contact with uh, either the uh, Narragansett or the uh, Wampanoags in southern New England uh, was Italian explorer Giovanni de Verrazzano. Yeah, yeah that about sounds right. about right. I think that's about uh, right. Yeah. And that was in 1524. Uh, he was sailing for a, for France and he traveled up the Narragansett Bay and traded with native people he found there. So yeah, they kind of knew about us already and knew how shitty we were. <laughs> so it's weird that once the pilgrims get here, many of the native Americans already spoke English. Well, yeah. how is that? I know it's like, they just picked it up through osmosis or something. <laughs> uh-huh. um, when in fact they actually picked it up through trading counters or by previously being taken into slavery by English. Uh, but they either escaped or were returned back to the areas that they came from. Mm. In fact, by 1620, a large portion of the Wampanoag tribe had died from disease brought from the Europeans. Uh, their numbers and strength were very low at that time. Well, that's like the guns, germs, and steel argument there, right? That like a significant proportion of Native Americans had like been basically wiped out in advance of like the English colonists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was all because, I mean, I wouldn't say the English did it intentionally. We knew nothing about germ theory. No, no, we no. We didn't but, realize I mean, we were bringing stuff to them until we brought them blankets full of uh Smallpox? Smallpox, yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was Jefferson, or Jefferson, Jackson. Yeah, but that, that, that was deliberate. That was, uh, that was yeah. shitty. That was, uh, yeah, well, that, not that was, good. That was bad. That was, uh, that was Trump's favorite president right there. Yeah. For no particular reason, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the group that we most associate with the pilgrims, uh, the Puritan congregation that separated from the Church of England did at least partially come to America looking for a place where they could practice their religion without persecution. Uh, Puritans made up less than half of the more than 100 people who crossed the Atlantic on the Mayflower and settled what eventually became Plymouth, which this was all detailed in William Bradford's Of Plymouth Plantation, uh, which also in that book, it brings the whole story of like the whole Plymouth Rock thing. Uh He never writes about it. Oh, so really? William Bradford was one of the guys on the Mayflower that came over. He organized the trip. He was one of the leading, you know, pilgrims. Mm-hmm. And half the story that we learned about Thanksgiving, he never wrote anything about any of that. It was all fucking made up like a hundred years later. It's all a bunch of fantastic lore. Basically, yeah, to make it like, here's a story. Here's this rock. They carved 16, 16, uh, what I think it's actually said, like, I think Kimmerf said 1620 or 1621 in the rock. Huh. Like, yeah, that's where they landed right there. It's like, no. No, they, no, they yeah, it's, a, it's a founding myth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I had always been told that like it was all Puritans. No, it wasn't because they had to hire right. like people to pilot the boats and everything. Like they basically, I think I covered here a little later on, they had to get charter uh-huh. and they had to fill the boats with the appropriate people. And also they were dumb as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they decided the to they cross doing. the Atlantic in <laughs> December. Uh, like 
Hey, buddy, there's these things called storms. They're really bad in the wintertime on the Atlantic. So you're crossing the Atlantic during the fucking worst time. They didn't want to go to New England. You never wage a land war in Eurasia. (laughs) Especially in the winter. (laughs) They were actually trying to go down to Virginia, Uh where other settlements already were. But they got knocked (laughs) off course by the wind and ended up up in New England. So dumb shits. They didn't even go like they they pulled a Columbus. They didn't even end up where they wanted to fucking go. Well, it was all divine providence. Yeah, maybe, uh. maybe not. It's all fucked. But uh the main reason they wanted to come to America was to maintain their English culture and to make money. Mm. See, after splitting off from the Church of England near the end of the 17th century, the congregation fled to Holland, uh, which allowed them to have more religious freedom. And wouldn't choose. Yeah. <laughs> From the accounts of William Bradford, he made it sound like it was great in Holland. The people let them follow their religion and left them alone, uh, but they found it difficult to find jobs to support themselves and were worried that their children were being too influenced by Dutch culture and their morals. <gasps> They're way too worldly. I know. Look at those wooden <laughs> shoes. <laughs> this this shit. Go I'm going to get into this more in my segment, <laughs> but like... They weren't being oppressed. No. They were being stopped from oppressing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they couldn't find jobs because they were woefully unqualified to work. Yeah, they were. They were a bunch of back when most jobs dicks. were like put seeds in the dirt and wait six months. <laughs> yeah, they they could barely do that when they got to America. Uh, like if you read yeah. the account of their first year, we're like. 80% of them fucking died of starvation and disease because they couldn't build shelters in the fucking winter. Couldn't That's grow food in the fucking winter. <laughs> uh, Just yeah, some they, really terrible planning oh, or, or lack of planning. planning. Yeah. And because yeah. they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Uh. But these people who don't know what the fuck they're doing, they secured a charter from the London company to start a colony in America. Uh, by the way, this would be England's second or actually, it's the second colony because one of the colonies disappeared. Roanoke was between Jamestown and this, but they fucking disappeared. So now they just went and lived a better life with the Native Americans. I honestly that's think what that's did. what happened. <laughs> yeah. But 100%, they were like, this shit sucks. Yeah. They know what they're doing. <laughs> we're going with them. They can take you know much better care good? of us. The fucking uptight Anglican church yeah. and starving to death on a rock. I'm going to go join them. Or the fact that we're starving <laughs> to death on this rock. And instead of helping us out, you took the boat back to England to get help. That's going to take a fucking year. <laughs> I'll be back with help in uh, about 300 days or so. Yeah. That'd be great. That's if we don't sink on the way. Yeah. And we might have to wait for bad weather to come back. So we'll see you in like three years. And you'll never know either way. I know you're running out of food, but do good. Until we get back. This is it. Au revoir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. Nah, I'm good. So <laughs> they were on their way to start England's second. After Jamestown in Virginia, which was their original destination they wanted to go to. And they began gathering a group of people to travel with them, mainly servants, explorers, and other sailors. It's also worth noting that while the pilgrims wanted to, wanted the freedom to practice their religion, uh, that freedom did not extend to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of their main goals was to convert the native people to their strict form of Christianity. Oh, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, not like we haven't heard this one throughout history. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure all the natives were super looking forward to all of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's so one of the sources I'm going to be drawing from. Uh, in fact, the primary source I'm drawing from for for this episode is Andrew Seidel's um, "The fi- Founding Myth," and he's got this fantastic quote that's really relevant here by Jefferson. Um, and he says, um, the English settlers may have been fleeing persecution, but once they gained power, they showed equal intolerance in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems to happen with all kinds of religious peoples. Yeah. Like, you, if you're not going to follow our religion, then uh, we're going to have to make sure that we kill you. It sounds an awful yep. lot like a lot yep. of Republicans, too. Uh-huh. Oh, which they definitely did. Yeah, yeah. They, killed, they killed a lot of motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. uh, but why do I bring this up for Christian nationalism? For one, I figured we could start at the beginning. And when people start grasping at tra- uh, straws, they like to bring up the pilgrims on the Mayflower for a reason as why America was started as a Christian nation. But as I've already said, uh, we know that they were not the first to colonize America. Uh, and if they were around today, they would probably say that Christians in America are too fucking liberal. <laughs> After all, they did ban the celebration of Christmas because it was a pagan holiday. Uh-huh. I kind of would like to imagine what they would think if they knew that there's a holiday now where a bunny rabbit lays eggs to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And hides them and gives us chocolate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I imagine they would be quite offended by that. (laughs) I mean, after all, they they wore nothing but black. Uh Uh-huh. So colorful bunnies and rainbows and eggs on the resurrection of Christ would be like, oh, you fucking pagans. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I wear nothing but black, but I love the shit out of Christmas. Yeah. And I also... Could also imagine that uh, if Abraham Lincoln had not made Thanksgiving a national holiday, the pilgrims would be nothing but a cliff note in American history. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's all the made up stories for Thanksgiving that we write about that that, that pop up. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. You've got to, you got to, you know, when you're in grade school, you've got to make the little hand drawn turkey and, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know, I, I put that note in there. Sarah found this interesting. I didn't put it in the main write up, but. It is kind of interesting. So one of the people that went to go settle Jamestown illegally brought tobacco seeds with them. Uh-oh. Because at that time, it was illegal for Europe to grow tobacco. They had a trading agreement with another country. I want to say Spain. I can't exactly remember if that was 100% right in that one. Mm. But anyway, England couldn't grow tobacco. The country that the sun never sets on their empire couldn't grow tobacco. Like not not because of any physical limitations. It was a contractual because of, limitation. Because of a, yeah, contractual obligation with a other another country. Well, huh. America wasn't part of that fucking contract. So when one of the people that settled Jamestown smuggled tobacco leaves there or tobacco seeds to start growing tobacco and they found out it flourished down there in Virginia, mm. they're like, fuck, we can make a lot of money off this. So the pilgrims going there to make money, the cash crop of the time was tobacco. So if you just guess on what they were probably going there to grow and make money, it's kind of like the gold rush. Mm-hmm. People are like, fuck yeah, I can go make money doing this. A lot of money. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. So when they're fleeing to America to make money, they're probably fleeing to America to grow tobacco and make a lot of money. Huh. Mm-hmm. These Puritans. Huh. Not too pure. <laughs> uh-huh. The Puritans are not very pure. They... Well, it's interesting. So, do you, do you guys know why they're called Puritans? Is that just something? Is that a label well, that we, we've slapped on them? I think I think they use it, but but the they viewed the Church of England as not following the teachings of Christ, like to the T. 
So I don't know if we call them Puritans because they thought they thought they followed a more pure version of what what Christ was trying to tell them to do. Uh, Oh, um, it's because they were trying to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices, mm -hmm. saying that had not been fully reformed and should be more Protestant. Mm. (laughs) You're not Protestanting enough or hard enough. Huh. You are wearing blue, sir. We only <laughs> wear black. <laughs> Shit, man. Uh-huh. No dancing, no laughing, no yeah. singing, no having fun. No fucking fun. smiling. Yeah, they were like, that's what, like, they're just religious zealots with a very strict orthodox version of Christianity, which, fuck that. A very dour people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Calvinists. So, uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah, the yeah, Cal. Ooh, boy. <laughs> yeah, certainly the people after which we would love to model a government or a way of life. Definitely, no, definitely in line with the humanist, you know, progressive, liberal views of the founding fathers. Yeah, yeah. or or and were they? I know you. You'll probably talk about it later. The, the Mayflower Compact or whatever it was where they're trying to list that as being like one of the first documents for democracy where it's like, no, nah, they were actually just trying not to kill each other probably. They they needed to have some sort of structure or laws. Yeah. And I um, mean, like, that claim is made, but that one is so laughable yeah. that, like, I wasn't even going to talk about yeah. it because, like, That's why like I you really- get those blinders where you're like, oh, no, some people are dumb enough to actually believe, believe- that. Yeah. Um, who's that? Who's that? I, I have been brain farting this guy's name. Who is the guy? He's um, of of Indian descent. He writes a bunch of fake history books, kind of like uh, uh, Barton. Uh, D- Dinesh D'Souza? Yes. Probably. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. He got pardoned by Trump. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Dinesh D'Souza. He, he speaks a lot to the whole like Mayflower compact Which bullshit. Holds no weight at all for anything. Yeah, not even a little bit. It was very much not America at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and none of that really matters to him because it's not like it's not that he actually believes it. He just knows that a lot of people are stupid enough to believe the things that he's saying yeah. uncritically and without checking them to be fact. Like, like oh, well, he hey. can fucking lie in the name of supporting his deity and be mm-hmm. be rewarded for that in the afterlife. It doesn't matter. Like, it's all about the ends justify the means. They don't really mm-hmm. fucking care. You can either, you know, it's better in Dinesh D'Souza's mind that he can change your opinion of something by lying to you than by threat of killing you. Like that's, that's yeah. basically what it boils down to. He doesn't fucking care yeah. if it's true or not. He just wants to, he wants you to think a particular way and he'll make you think that way through whatever means he has available to him. And, at the and time. make it yeah. sound and, good. And, I mean, that's just fascism. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Timothy Snyder. Um, who wrote about like the way that authoritarian regimes and especially fascist regimes will create a mythologized past and then wipe away whatever the actual past is in favor of that myth in order to hearken to like days gone by and discriminate against people that like damage the prospects of going back to that time. Um, And that is a theme that we're going to talk about more in episodes to come uh when we get back from this break i'm going to jump in and i'm going to talk a little bit more about the pilgrims and kind of where they came from ideologically but also where 
other colonists worth thinking and how that led to like the founding fathers thoughts. Um, and we aren't going to talk too much about the founding fathers on this episode. That's going to be more of next episode, but I'm going to provide kind of the bridge to what we'll be talking about next week uh, on the other side of this break. This is Phil Ferguson of the cleverly titled the Phil Ferguson show. And thank God you're listening to the godless revolution. Well, what about me, Mr. Wizard? Can you get me back to Kansas? No, that's going to be a tall order, but what I can do is make Oz more like Kansas. I've abolished all scientific research of any kind, instituted mandatory Bible study and church service attendance seven days a week, forbidden the teaching of evolution in public schools, and here's a baseball bat for you to beat this gay guy. Hi there! Well, go on, get to it. I'm not going to beat myself. Or maybe I am. Ooh, welcome to Oz, bitch! If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! And welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the pilgrims. I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that myself. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Continental Congress. Um, my main source for this has been Andrew Seidel's fucking amazing book, The Founding Myth. Um, like he hasn't paid me to say this. Go buy that book. Like right now, <laughs> pause the thing, buy the book, then come back and keep listening. Yeah, I would. Um, I would very much like to get him on on the show. You know, at, at either as a portion of of these episodes or at the end. You know, have him have him come on and mm-hmm. we can just oh, kind of pick dude, his brain about if, a bunch of other stuff. If you have any way of leveraging your connections, like I would, you would have to mute my mic. So I stop fanboying and then it would be amazing <laughs> to have him on like that man. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. He's so very cool. cool. Yeah. I've, I've talked to him a couple times on the phone. I haven't asked him to come on the show yet, but I'm, I'm sure yeah. he would be kind enough to do that. Yeah, that would be, I, I'm, oh, man, that would be so yeah. cool. I'll yeah. just I'll just ask Steve about it. Well, and I've I've been reading through his book. I'm I think I'm only up, up to chapter like four right now. But, oh, yeah. that's that's fucking hilarious because I'm gonna be reading a lot of stuff from chapter five. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd gotten one more chapter deeper, you'd be like, "Damn it, Taylor, I know this. your contribution is just paraphrasing chapter five. You'd be like, <laughs> no, it's totally not that. So much different. <laughs> Mine has blackjack and hookers. Um, <laughs> so Angel Seidel points out two big claims about that kind of pre-revolutionary period as being the basis uh, on which America is a Christian nation, which is not. Um, one of those claims is that the pilgrims came to our continent seeking religious freedom and established a Christian duchy. And therefore, America is a Christian nation, which is largely what. Brian was talking about, and then the Continental Congress had a prayer and a chaplain, and therefore America was founded on Christian principles. And I'm going to like kind of fuck both of those ideas over the course of the next 15 minutes. So um, he elaborates further that the general argument by Christian nationalists um, that the colonies are are Christian is. Um, first point, Christian settlers came to North America seeking religious freedom and established Christian governments, Christian nations to protect religious freedom. The United States, no, sorry, point two, the United States also has Christian freedom, uh, sorry, religious freedom. And three, therefore, America is a Christian nation with a Christian government, which is a series of arguments that are neither internally coherent 
or even factually true, Mm -hmm. which is about as philosophically unsound as you can be Mm. um, while making an argument. Um, So the big thing that this gets into that I want to talk about is, is the sort of juxtaposition between um, how Christian nationalists idealize this idea of like religious liberty um, with the behavior of the Puritans vice the behavior of the government of New Amsterdam, right? So Andrew uh, Seidel calls attention to the pilgrims' religious governments, um, that they were trying to seek religious liberty. The thing is that they had been living in Holland prior to coming to America, and they were all but asked politely to leave Holland because their free practice of religion was starting to come into conflict with Holland's actual religious liberty laws that were coming up. There were a lot of people who in the enlightenment movement would have been looked at as being like potential heretics in their own countries. And so Holland was welcoming, welcoming them in. Um, Holland was beginning to be a country that was a lot more welcoming of like Jewish folks and, and folks who are out of the orthodox of their own religions. And as that happened, the um, Puritan colonies within Holland started getting more insular um, and, and we're like discriminating against non Puritans within their colonies in Holland. And Holland was basically like, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, they went to we America, realize home right? doesn't want you either. <laughs> right, right, right. Because the English are like, no, you're also too fucking stern for Anglican fucking England in the 1700s. Yeah. Like the fuck, dude. Um, it's it's important to know that like once the pilgrims got there, they weren't just like nice people with black clothes and buckles on their hats. Um, they <laughs> executed people for the crimes of um, homosexuality, adultery, blasphemy, worshiping other gods. Um, they committed a genocide on a Pequot village uh, on Mystic River, killing 700 native men, women and children. Uh, and the survivors were sold into slavery. Jesus. Um, that's the Puritans. Those are the nice people who had Thanksgiving with the Indians, right? Now, like, is, is that the one? Because I know there was there was uh, accounts of the Puritans actually fighting alongside other tribes. They're like, well, we have an issue with this tribe. If you help us with, you know, bringing some of your cool guns over there and helping us kill those guys, we'll uh, we'll show you how to plant some food. I don't know that that's what that was. Um, Seidel in his book indicates that it was a holy war. Okay. I suspect they sent missionaries to them. The yeah. Native Americans said, we want nothing to do with this. And they said, well, you're okay, dead. Well, out comes the sword then. Um, so, well, and it sounds like they were like cancel culture before cancel culture was cool. <laughs> I mean, that's just religion. Religion is yeah. cancel culture. Yeah. Canceling mm-hmm. actual what cultures. At the stake is it's being yeah. canceled. These these are hipster cancelers. Mm-hmm. Galileo, uh, maybe the sun's in the middle. Ah, uh, Pope, uh, <laughs> let's kill you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, Seidel just juxtaposes this against another Dutch colony, right? Because the Puritans are technically English; they came from Holland, right? Like at the same time, the Puritans were going from Holland to America. Um. Some other Dutch folks founded New Amsterdam. Those of you on the East Coast or who are well-versed in in history might know that this is Manhattan, right? Um, The lower tip of Manhattan, basically what would become New York. Um, 
New Amsterdam was a highly tolerant pluralist place. There were recorded more than 14 different religious people and historians described the location as like people didn't care what their neighbor's religion was. They just went about their life, which is pretty much New York today too. Um, early on, it had this Dutch attitude of um, tolerance. They had Quakers. Uh, they described it as being singing Quakers, ranting Quakers, Sabbatarians, anti-Sabbatarians, Jews, and independents, <laughs> which, I mean, you've got to imagine somebody in the 1700s describing someone's religion as independent and being like, Como te fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like is, is that basically atheist? Like, I'm independent. Mm-hmm. I'm independent of all gods. Well, it's probably like, I'm a Christian fuck off like it, back then that's almost certainly what because i don't even think like, deism had been established by that point it was it was a um, new age christianity right right um and i really like this quote that he pulls from thomas Paine from the rights uh rights of man uh toleration is not the opposite of intoleration but it is the counterfeit of it both are despotisms one assumes to itself the right of withholding liberty of conscience and the other of granting it. One is the Pope armed with a fire and stick, and the other is the Pope selling or granting indulgences. The former is the church and state, and the latter is church and traffic. Um, I like, posted the exact quote on Facebook a few years ago. That's awesome. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, George Washington expressed the same thing in uh, 1790 saying that uh, the government of the United States gives to bigotry, no sanction to persecution, no assistance. Um, It is now of no more that toleration is spoken of as if it was by the indulgence of one class of people that another enjoyed the exercise of their inherent natural rights. So the the point I'm getting at, right, as I've kind of meandered around here, Um, And like I could have done a better hardcore history of like the actual day to day lives of the Puritans versus the New Amsterdam folks. But my point is, is that when Christian nationalists point to the religious colonies as being the basis of um, America being a Christian nation, they are pointing to colonies which rejected the very concepts upon which our pluralistic government was founded. These were colonies that were religious tyrannies and it was through the liberty, right? Not, not just tolerance, but freedom, right? Like tolerance as, as Washington said is, is one group that's in power saying it's okay. You can do you as opposed to saying, no, no, nobody needs to tell you that you can just do you. Um, And it's important to know that, like, yeah, America was founded as a secular nation. America was founded as a nation that didn't have a particular religion at the head that deigned to tolerate other religions within its body. Um, And I think that's really important. And it's something that Christian nationalist like laity are just ignorant of and that Christian nationalist, um, you know, proselytizers uh, deliberately obfuscate. Is that when they say... You know, the Puritans were great Christians who founded this this country. No, they weren't. Right. <laughs> the the um, liberals right in the uh, uh, classical liberal sense of places like New Amsterdam are the folks who founded this country and, and inspired the First Amendment, among others. Um, and well, and then, it, I, I mean, it, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that kind of plays into 
our original national motto, right? E pluribus unum, mm-hmm. out of out of many one, versus yeah. Yeah. in God we trust. Now yeah. that is a you know the the original national motto was inclusive. The current national motto is exclusive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they also um, and, exclude and, the fact sorry, that they weren't the only fucking colony here. Yeah, and and speaking to that, right. A, uh, a French emigre wrote in his letters from an American farmer said, what then is the American, this new man? He is a strange mixture of blood, which you will find in no other country. I could point out to you a family whose grandfather was an Englishman, whose wife was Dutch, whose son married a French woman and whose present four sons now ha- have four wives of different nations. He is an American leaving behind him. All his ancient prejudices and manners receives new ones from the new mode of life he has embraced, the new government he obeys, and the new rank he holds. And like that carries over into religion as well. You know, America was one of the first places, as well as like Holland, where somebody could elect to marry outside of their religious class, which had been forbidden in many governments. Um, there was a greater allowance of people in America to live truly liberated lives and any sort of Christian nationalist, uh, uh, you know, change to our country would fundamentally reverse that freedom. Um, so then my next thing that I want to talk about somewhat briefly is, um, this idea that the continental Congress, um, itself held prayers, right? Um, so the argument is, is that the Continental Congress prayed and had a chaplain. Therefore, America was founded on um, Christian principles. And what Seidel argues is that this was a political, uh, ch- uh, a political choice, not a like religious one. So when America was deliberating as to whether or not they wanted to rebel or reconcile with England, they created the Continental Congress. And the idea of it was is to get some of the great thinkers and let's be honest, stakeholders from different states to talk about like what they could do to resolve things with England in order to remain colonies or to decide to have a revolution. Right. Um, and in doing so, they elected to have a, a chaplain, uh, Mr. Duche. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. French is terrible. Um, Duche? Duche? Duche. It's, it's got like a, like a E with a little backwards accent. I was just trying to play on, on the word douche. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> I don't do French. Um, so <laughs> Germanic languages I got. French, no, not me. So, um, the argument was made that the, um, sorry, sorry, Seidel makes the argument that the prayer was opposed, that it was a political gambit, um, and that Duche's whole story shows that the appointment was a mistake and undercuts the, the Christian nationalist claim. So, first of all, John Jay and John Rutledge, who would later go on to be the first and second chief justices of the Supreme Court in America, during that Continental Congress, argued against having a chaplain. They said that um, because this land is religiously diverse, choosing any one chaplain could be mistaken for showing preference for that religion over other religions. Mm. And this is something I noticed that Christian nationalists do all, all the time is that when they are arguing for Christian nationalism per se, they will act religiously plural 
and they'll act like all Christianity is good Christianity. And then the moment that they accomplish their goals in any given location, they immediately fucking turn on each other and start biting each other until only one version of Christianity stands out on top. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to point out that like the first, you know, the first and the second Supreme court uh, chief justices that we had both called out that particular bullshit and said, no, no, no. Like we don't want to show preference to anyone Christianity because back then the differences between Christianity were as big as differences between like Christianity and Islam today. Um, and they weren't about it. You know, they weren't about potentially showing preference to any one of those factions. Um, the second thing is that, um, it, it was Sam Adams who was one of the big people who like convinced the Continental Congress to go along with having Duche um, be the chaplain over the event. And they did so in the hope that Duche as an influential um, priest would get other priests involved in convincing the laity that a revolution was a good idea. Um, the hope would be that they could use that very powerful arm of culture in order to persuade the people to get behind the revolutionary cause marketing, which was, yeah, 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 precisely. Right. Um, what, what's, what's that fucking quote, um, from like a, a Roman emperor, right? Religion is believed by the masses scoffed at by the philosopher and deemed useful by the, uh, politician or something mm -hmm. similar to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's funny because once the Revolutionary War happened and Duché was captured by the British, he immediately recanted his support for the Revolutionary Army, <laughs> wrote a letter to Washington condemning him and spent the rest of the war propagandizing against the American cause. Sounds like Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, any Republican, right? No, it sounds to me like Kevin McCarthy. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, coming um, out, Colin, you know, immediately yeah. after the events of January 6th and saying that, you know, Trump is absolutely responsible. And then, you know, just a few weeks later, cozying up to him again. Well, I don't trust mm -hmm. any politician with the name McCarthy. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's done. 86 <laughs> McCarthy. So, um, yeah. And, and just to end on a quote that will lead us into talking about the founding fathers next week. When uh, when Thomas Jefferson had his inaugural address, one of the things he said that America had banished from our land that religious intolerance under which mankind had so long bled and suffered. And this is the guy who removed everything supernatural from the Bible and left only good aphorisms yep. remaining. Like this is not somebody who was talking about Christians ability to freely practice, but, you know, um, protection from religion. I, I always so. have to point that out to people and like, yeah, but Thomas Jefferson wrote, had his own Bible. It's like, yeah, he removed all the Jesus-y woo-woo stuff from it. Yeah, he removed all of the yeah, magic basically stuff. basically had like the yeah. Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and he also did use it in nefarious ways to try to get Native Americans to become Christian and strip them of their views in their life. Yeah, so that that's kind of a negative. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I mean... Thomas Jefferson has a lot of fucking shitty shit that he did, but they in all regards do. to being an enlightenment thinker, like there's ways to respect him for that yeah. and to use what he was thinking and wrote about at the time as evidence against the bullshit claims yeah. that people like Barton and D'Souza make about that time period. So 
that's what we got. So this is the beginning of a somewhat long, it's going to be at least three to four more shows, possibly more um, that we're going to do on Christian nationalism. We're going to go in roughly chronological order, though. That'll get a little fucked up once we get to some of the later ones and start talking about more modern stuff. When yeah. we'll start bro- uh, breaking those things out into more of like concepts rather than time periods. But yeah, look forward to it. We've been talking about it for a long time and I finally got off my ass and wrote stuff down. So, <laughs> well, like I've been, I've been like reading a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, like I like the one thing I've been jumping into, which I got to still write up is I did not realize how many times in the past they've tried to put creationism into the schools. Like I kind of thought that was more modern, like within the last like 20 years. Like, oh, oh yeah, no, no, that's been, no, this has been going yeah, on for yeah. like a hundred years. Forevers. Yep. Yeah. And there yep. are so many Supreme Court cases and lower court cases where every fucking time it gets fucking rejected. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it is mm-hmm. established. So I'm going to pick a few of those, few of the more prominent ones where the the writings from the judges just basically show no, you fucking lost this argument a long fucking time ago. <laughs> yeah. Stop yeah. trying to make it a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fetch isn't going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all I got. Well, cool. I look forward to the uh, future episodes about this. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm all in, man. Uh, we have run out of time for this episode. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be two skeptical chaps. Alan Firth. Don't be a Richard. Hunter Grin. John McCullough. Ollie Olson. Sinead Duffy. Steve Kuno. Stephen Andrus. Tiffany Hudson. Vanessa. All hail Peanuth Butra. <laughs> Andrew Vodapich. Corey Ebert. Jeff Peterson. Jeremy Goodson. Megan Mitchell. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Freethinker215. Matthew Sanders. Chad Pryor. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. Savita Kuna. Jean Paul Schartz. <laughs> Tim Jacobson. <laughs> Trisha Weir. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> A noble spirit and big and the smallest man. The perfectly cromulent statement. That was so close. So very close, Ryan. You did. said perfectly and you cromulent. Said, you yeah. said the perfectly cromulent statement. Fuck. I was, <laughs> Abe, I'll it was get it. I'll get it. So, we're going to so we're going to make you keep doing this until you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I think uh, and, uh, Ted Sellen and James. Thank you all so very much. We really appreciate your patronage of the show. Uh, if Patreon is not your cup of tea and you would like to contribute to the show, you can do so uh, through PayPal by sending us gifts of money uh, at our email address of godlessrevolution at gmail.com. If Patreon is your thing or you would like it to be your thing, it's really easy. You just go to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution and you can pledge as little as $1 per episode. And then you get extended episodes, early releases of, of episodes, extended outtakes, bonus episodes, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And I have contacted a couple of our listeners about sending them shirts. I finally have the shirts here at the house. They arrived this week, finally. <laughs> and I will be sending them to you, 
uh, either tomorrow or the next day. So be looking for those. You're, you should be excited. I'm excited sure. to finally get them to you because it's been a really fucking long time <laughs> since I've talked to you about it. So by the time they get them, this show probably won't even, this episode might not even be out yet. Oh no! It it the it will probably take a little while to get them okay. to them. Well, one in particular, no, Joy is still the postmaster general. It'll, yeah, yeah, it'll that's yeah. true. <laughs> well, and one of them lives in another country, so that'll take a little oh, yeah. while. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but thank you all very, very much for listening. Thank you guys for putting this together. This is awesome. I'm looking forward to future episodes. And with that, uh, I want to say, Dano, out. I gotta go fucking study some wedding shit. Bye, fuckers. Hey, do. See ya. <laughs> I'm just now I'm just having fun with it. Dan, I'm going to need you to <laughs> kick him under the table for me closer. <laughs>